Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And we're the hosts of the Anxiety Chicks podcast, where we dive deep into the reality of anxiety, nutrition, and mental health. Listen as we explore all things anxiety healing while keeping it real, including our own struggles with mental health. We'll bring our expertise as healing professionals to the conversation while discussing the tools and strategies you need to heal the anxious mind. Listen to the Anxiety Chicks on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just let me pause this for a second. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinera. And it's just me today, you guys. I hope you don't miss Taylor too much. She actually, I think, is on vacation or has something going on. But she will be back next week. Um, Don't worry. You can send her a little DM, see how she's doing. I I think everything is totally fine. I think she's on a little vacation is what she told me. Um, But as summer comes upon us, we are going to be um, in and out a little bit, Taylor and I. So, But we're still going to have some amazing guests for you, like the one I have today. I'm so excited. Micheline Malouf is on the show. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome. Um, This is probably going to be one of our most popular shows because I have been already getting so many DMs of people being so excited that you're coming on. And I feel like we might have the same audience. Probably. Yeah. Anxiety is our our topic. Anxiety is what we talk about. Mental health, healing, education. Um, And For anyone that um, lives under a rock or I'm just kidding, but anyone who doesn't really follow social media as well, um, you might not know, but Micheline is a pretty um, big deal on the TikTok and Instagram, especially TikTok. I know that's kind of where you got started, right? Yes. I remember saying, oh my God, this is so amazing um, and how it blew up over COVID and all this stuff. But I'm so excited to have you on here because you are a fellow healer of your own personal mental health struggles and you're also a licensed mental health counselor. So just like I am, and I love um, bridging the gap on that and kind of ending the stigma of mental health and also as a clinician talking about it and talking about our own struggles because I feel like that's really hasn't happened in the history of psychology. So I love that. So welcome. So Thank happy you. to have you here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, that I'm a- happy to be here. No, I love that. And I love I actually I've been following you for a while and I know that you also share a lot of personal stuff and I absolutely love that because you're right. It's like it just humanizes us. So I've connected a lot with your content because of you know, you're you're not just putting it out there and like a I'm the professional. You're like, this actually happens to me too. So Yes, yes. And that's just like, I know there's amazing other um, experts in the field that are doing such great work on the other end of it and not sharing as much. But for me, that's just like authentically who I am. Um, and I think you're right. People can kind of relate. So um, so I'm ha- I'm excited to hear your expertise on anxiety and also other mental health uh, concerns that have come up in the last couple months for you. But um I really am excited to kind of piggyback off of a series that we started. And I'm not sure if you follow Steph, who is Dear My Anxiety, or you've seen her page on Instagram. So We we had her on a couple weeks ago, um, and we're doing sort of a series throughout the summer and, and throughout the rest of the year on real life healers and people coming on and just talking about their own mental health struggles from 
you know, when they started to understand it more and how they ended up here and all of that. So we're so excited to have you on to talk a little bit more about that. So I'd love for you to tell us a little more about kind of your personal journey with it and then maybe even a little bit of your expertise on anxiety and ADHD. So my personal story with my mental health or wherever you'd like to start. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. It's a big, um, I feel like I got into this field because I was trying to learn about myself, which is probably very common amongst a lot of therapists, but always interested in psychology, mental health. When I was younger, I was, um, never interested in like reading anything fiction or novels, only the self-help section. I would go to like Barnes and Noble or Borders at the time and just sit in the self-help section and like, I guess it's now I know it's probably like my special interest hyperfixation <laughs> um, because I recently got diagnosed with ADHD. But yeah, I um, struggled my whole life with just feeling like I wasn't good enough, wasn't smart enough. Um, but when it came to that topic, I was pretty, um, pretty strong at it. Like that was the class I would ace. And it, I just fe- feel like that's kind of what started my interest in it. Um, and I always talk about how I um, never applied to graduate school right after I got my bachelor's because I felt like I kind of, I, I felt I wouldn't get in. I felt I would never make it into a graduate program because I never, well, I failed my SATs like three times. And by say failed, it's really like, um, you know, really bad score, like a really bad score. And um, I went to community college before I went to university because, again, I never applied directly because I felt like my GPA wasn't as high as my friend. So I always really struggled with that self-confidence, that anxiety about like the future. Um, Come to find out now I have ADHD. So I've been kind of in my 30s realizing that I wasn't necessarily dumb. It's just the system wasn't set up for me. Um, which created a lot of anxiety personally for me. So I don't consider myself to have GAD, generalized anxiety disorder, but I think a lot of, I do have death anxiety, which is based on trauma, but I have uh, a lot of anxiety due to the overwhelm and um, all the stuff that happened as a result of my ADHD. Eventually I found workarounds to get myself into graduate school after struggling myself. Um, I ended up in graduate school, did really well in that because, you know, when you're in uh, graduate school, it's just psychology classes. There's maybe a statistics course here and there, but it's mostly um, the stuff that I was really interested in. And then um, because it's my special interest, I feel like I really ended up thriving in this field. But the imposter syndrome and anxiety and all the struggles that come along with ADHD are still very much present in my everyday life, the ups and downs. But yeah, I guess that's just like the shortened version of like (laughs) where I am and who I am. Wow. Well, and so um, I'm so curious about the late diagnosis of of ADHD, um, which is what I've been been seeing on your feed. Um, Because I've always thought that I might have struggled with that. And I'm now thinking about it when I was a little kid and in school, um, especially with like reading comprehension and just different focus issues. And um, 
thinking that I definitely, I don't, I don't think I have much of the hyperactive part of it, but, and I'm so curious how this came about for you, how this diagnosis came about and when, when was it like, walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting because it it happened through TikTok. Um, when I started meeting professionals that had ADHD themselves and started seeing videos about things that I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't just me. And I, I, there was things in my life that I never really understood fully about myself because a part of me knew I wasn't dumb, but I, for some reason, just can never focus at school or read. I could never get through like fully read a book. Um, I have to listen to audio. So I've found like really, I guess now genius ways in my own world (laughs) to like make it Mm -hmm. through things is what I'm learning through my own therapy. But um, it just, it always, I always had this feeling of like less than, and as I started to learn more about ADHD in women and how it shows up in women, um, I learned that I, we never really had a chance to get that diagnosis in childhood because especially I was born in 1985, which, you know, that's not like, um, a time when people were really talking about ADHD or any, anything mental health really. So I never grew up, I grew up with immigrant parents. Um, we come from Syria and Lebanon. So, uh, they had no idea what to do. They were struggling to even speak English here and make it in this country. So a lot of the focus was on that. But um, so so for me, it was just like, I'm dumb, I'm not good enough. And so as I grew older, I'm like, but how did I make it here? Like, how did I become a therapist being dumb? I knew I had um, like a lot of interest in, in this particular area of my life. And I knew I struggled with a lot of other things. So actually, one of the things that I think I've shared recently on my YouTube video, or maybe no, I think I might've cut that part out, but I'll I'll share it here. Um, My husband and I are in couples therapy and a big part of it is that dynamic of me being neurodivergent with ADHD and him being so uh, like what I consider type A, what most people would consider type A. So Mm -hmm. my couples therapist was like, this is a dynamic I see a lot in, in people that are married to somebody that doesn't have ADHD when one partner does. There's a lot of like, why can't you just do this thing? Like, where's that executive dysfunction? Like, like what's happening there? Like I knew I wasn't depressed. So my executive dysfunction wasn't coming from depression or feeling like really, really sad in in that way. But it was just like, I knew I had to do something. I knew I had to uh, clean up, do the dishes, uh, write this paper, read an email, open the mail, anything. And I just couldn't. So it got to the point where my water bill was being, my water was cut off because I didn't pay my water bill. My mortgage payment wasn't going through because my amount of the uh, mortgage payment that was supposed to go to our uh, bank account wasn't going through because I just wasn't on top of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know how to time manage very well. And as I started to learn through TikTok and colleagues about what this was, I'm like, wait a minute, this sounds like me. Maybe there's a solution to this. Maybe I can get help. Maybe I can just see myself in a different light. So. I talked to my therapist about it, my couples therapist about it as well. And I got referred to a psychiatrist that actually specializes in ADHD in adult women. And when I talked to her about it, she was just like, this is like classic uh, ADHD. So now we're on the medication journey trying to figure out what the best um, dosage is for me, the medication, all of that. That's so interesting. So all this time, have you been basically thinking that 
the, the mental health struggles you were having was connected to more anxiety than ADHD? Or were you on that trying to figure that out also? No, I thought it was mostly anxiety, um, depression. And I thought a lot of self-esteem issues and shame, just like I'm, I'm just, if my self-esteem was higher, then I wouldn't have these issues or I, you know, it's anxiety. Like, why am I so anxious? Why is everybody else, um, like able to cope with these situations in what seems like a much calmer, like organized way. And you mentioned hyperactivity about yourself. You're like, I'm not sure if I have the hyperactivity thing, part of it, but, um, what I learned was that the hyperactivity for women often shows up in thoughts and in, internally. It's not necessarily like what people consider to be hyperactivity, like in young boys where they're just like popping off uh, from right. side to side and unable to sit still. Actually, a lot of women are able to sit still. Um, the hyperactivity happens in their mind. Wow. Where they're constantly like jumping from one idea to another. I can I could never finish one sentence like all the way through. I still struggle with that because as I'm talking to you right now, I have like 25 other things that want to pop up into my head. And I, I'm like, this is important. So my brain has a difficult time differentiating. And that created so much anxiety within me because that led to me thinking I'm not articulate. I can't keep my thoughts straight. I don't know what's important and what's not. I'm dumb. Like that's the the end result. And right. that kind of happens in, in a lot of situations. Like when you are just living life and everything is happening at once, that kind of feels, it's like overthinking, right? Overthinking, your body response starts, you go into fight or flight all the time. So you do get anxiety. So I do, I do have anxiety, but I guess the stem of my anxiety is uh, less related to an anxiety disorder and more related to my ADHD. Yes. And so that's what I've been reading up on and, and in working in my practice with um, a lot of highly anxious women. Um, I've been, you know, in doing my own research, have noticed that there is such a correlation with ADHD and anxiety and that um, a lot of the symptoms can kind of overlap. And and it's it's so hard to actually know what, you know, kind of chicken or the, you know, is this mm -hmm. is it this happening because of this or not? Or is it connected? And what does that mean? Um, and even for myself, trying to learn more about that. Um, that's so interesting, too, about the hyperactivity and how maybe it's just hyperactivity in my brain, right? Maybe yeah. it's not necessarily my behavior that you're seeing me, you know, go back. Although now that I think about it with myself, I know that a, a big part of, um, you know, ADD, ADHD is starting a task and then, you know, getting preoccupied with another task and forgetting about that other task that you were doing. And then you're going back and forth and actually saw a lot of those videos on TikTok myself. Um, and that is totally me. I, yeah. I'm, it's very hard for me. You know, I'll even, it, I mean, things such as cleaning the bathroom, you know, like starting mm -hmm. to clean the bathroom and I'm doing the bathtub, but then I go over and I start the sink, but I didn't even finish the bathtub yet. And I'm thinking, oh, um, so, so that's so crazy that you wouldn't necessarily think of that, think of yeah. ADHD as that way. Um, so how, how long has it been then since that happened for you? When did this all come about? It's been a few years. Um, medication is recent. The medication and the psychiatrist yeah. portion of it is very, very recent. Like, um, 
maybe like four months ago. Uh, but the ADHD talking to a therapist about it, trying, you know, just the behavioral, uh, it's been maybe like two, two years now. Yeah. Almost maybe three. So, yeah. So it's been like, I knew it, but it also there's this thing with ADHD. It's like, you don't believe, I mean, this is, I don't know if this is a personal thing, but a lot of women I've spoken to that got diagnosed later in life, it's hard to fully accept. Like there's still that doubting part of me that's like am I sure I'm not just lazy am I sure that I'm not making this up yeah so so although you have the therapist telling you the psychiatrist telling you you have this medication that's helping which is an indicator that um you know this is the right path for you there's still that little voice that is like what if I'm just tricking myself and tricking everyone um I don't know why it's just so it's a it's an interesting journey and then the grief that comes along with it as well. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, so for anyone listening that's thinking, you know, oh, this sounds sort of like me, you know, the process isn't, you know, wham, bam, here it is, right? It's a long process to understand yourself and everyone's case is unique. Um, but I think that for me too, I mean, I'm thinking about with my own therapist, I think I'm going to bring this up and try and understand more um, about you know, my own behaviors and think about even now I mentioned something about me. I can look back and think about when I was a kid in school and when I was younger and I kind of see the pattern. Do you notice that at all when you think about you as a younger, your younger 100%. you? Yeah. Okay. When I think about me, I'm like, oh, is this why like all my friends seem to understand the assignment except for me? Like my brain just wasn't there. And every single time we had a group project or we had a project and the teacher was talking, then I, I'm like, oh shit, like what am I supposed to do now? Like I I would have yes. to reread it like 600 times. And then I asked my mom about it. I'm like, what did the teacher say about me when I was younger? They're like, that you were such a pleasure to have in class, but that you couldn't see you were a little wiggle worm, like you were wiggling all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that. It's interesting to ask family members that knew you at a young age, uh, what that what that's like, and then kind of thinking back in okay, what would happen when there was assignments given? What would happen? Homework was impossible for me to get done. I always forgot my homework. I always forgot the things I needed at school or the things that I took home at home. You know, the forgetfulness is um, is a big deal. So, but, you know, when I would sit down and, and actually do something, I, I could if, um, like, I, it's not not that I could in like a functioning way, the functioning was hard. But once I got my brain to sit down and focus, it got done in, in the right way. So it's not like um, an inability or like, again, even though I thought I was dumb, it wasn't like a not smart issue. It was just like, a, my brain's just firing off and right. can't focus on one thing. It's I, I heard something recently about ADHD and it that it shouldn't be called like attention deficit because it's actually like an hyper attention, like you just have attention for so many things that you can't focus on one thing. <laughs> so that was really interesting, because that made so much sense. Like you said, like you start off on one task, but then you walk into the room to do the laundry, right? And you're like, Oh, but there's these cups I have to take down. Okay, let me take down these cups. Let me go you go down the kitchen. Now you see all oh, the shoes are here. Let me take out the shoes. Then you take out the shoes, you go to the garage, like my car needs to be washed. And then you wash your car. And then at the end of the day, you're like, wait, what was I supposed to be doing? Oh, I never yeah. did the laundry. It's just like. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it sounds totally like my days. I'm thinking. <laughs> and I will say, too, that the biggest things for me that I can recognize that I that I know are kind of connected to this is procrastination. I procrastinate 
a lot. I've been working on it a lot in my adult life, but um, for some reason, a lot of procrastination. I know that's kind of indicative to that too. Yes. Yeah, because, um, um, you know, we have, if you have ADHD, if you don't have a consequence right in front of you, it's not urgent. So there's like this running joke where if somebody's like, this thing's due in a month, you're like, yeah, that's not getting done. And like, that's not good. That's too long. And, you know, people are like, don't you need that long? A person with ADHD is like, if the consequence is not right in front of your face, that's why we procrastinate. It's like we thrive on urgency. So, I mean, so it's true in my mind now that I hear you saying that. Yes, that's exactly, exactly what it is. Um, And I know that, I know it's so weird. I'm just trying, I'm trying to think of what it takes for me to actually do those things. Because there are some, some things in my daily life that I do, don't procrastinate in. So I'm going to go on a little rant today, you guys, and I apologize in advance for this, but can we just talk about how horrible the health insurance system is in the U.S.? I know, I know, I'm very grateful that we have health insurance. I know there's parts of the world that don't even have access to like clean drinking water, but I am telling you. I don't even want to get started on how much I pay in premium with my health insurance. I had an MRI the other week and don't even get me started on how much that was on top of my monthly premium. That's like almost a thousand dollars. It's crazy. I mean, premiums are increasing, deductibles are getting larger and more and more claims are getting denied. The system just does not work people which is why I'm so excited to talk about CrowdHealth. Everything I just told you about the horrors of health insurance is why CrowdHealth was created. It's not health insurance. It's a better way to pay for healthcare through crowdfunding. I know you may be thinking, what the heck is crowdfunding? Okay, so basically a crowd or a group of members just like you who want to help pay for each other's unexpected medical events. And if you're still curious, Head over to episode 112, where Taylor and I actually interviewed the founder of CrowdHealth, Andy Schooner, and he made it so easy to understand CrowdHealth. And honestly, I can't even believe I never knew about it. Um, I'm so excited. So go to episode 112 if you want to learn a little bit more about it. But what's amazing is that CrowdHealth actually cares about the consumer. You aren't just another number like traditional insurance companies. And for 50 bucks a month, your membership includes the tools and services you need to get the highest quality healthcare. You'll get access to telemedicine visits, discounted prescriptions, and then get this. This is my favorite part, you guys. You actually get your own personal care advocate who will help you understand your healthcare options and even negotiate bills on your behalf. CrowdHealth will give you the freedom to efficiently and affordably break free from the antiquated insurance system and into a healthcare option that fits your needs. It's time you opt out of restrictive health insurance plans and let CrowdHealth help fit your healthcare needs. Get started today for just $50 per month. Use code ANXIETYCHICKS to get the healthcare you deserve. CrowdHealth is not insurance. Learn more at joincrowdhealth.com. That's joincrowdhealth.com. Code anxiety checks.
like I, you know, like my, like my stuff, that's not, it's not stuff that I actually need to get done. You're right. It's like, Mm -hmm. I procrastinate with my, my job stuff or my bills, like you said, bills, things that, that I know I need to get done. I was thinking like, I don't procrastinate with my meditations. You know, I always have time for that, or I always put that in my schedule and I'll do, you know, my self-help stuff, but it's like the urgency of things. Um, and then and the other like those things, right? Like the, yeah. like the things that you do, it's, it's, they give you dopamine or they give you something that is like, I, I guess it's like your brain is like, oh, this is great. We love this. Um, but the things that you have to do that are mundane and like, I mean, yeah. and I'm even thinking like, I know I need to buy a car soon. And, but just, that sounds just in my mind, it just sounds okay. It's exciting, but at the same time, it just sounds like such a huge, um, mm-hmm. thing I need to do that I need to research and it takes strategic planning for me. Oh my gosh. Okay. I've been sort of procrastinating, but trying, um, like even calling doctors, for, oh, yeah. you know, I have to call my insurance company about something today. I was supposed to do it last week. Haven't done it yet. No. I, you know, all the, just like that's the worst. Calling people, oh. paying bills, like those type of tasks. I would rather go to the dentist, and I hate the dentist. Like, go pull my teeth. Like, I would do anything to just not have to do those things. Oh my gosh, totally. And so, and then the other thing that I recognize about uh, myself, even now, is my reading. Like you said, my reading comprehension is almost non-existent. I mean, I listen to Audible. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, and I think it's interesting as both of us as licensed therapists, obviously we have a skill of listening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I love my career and I, I love being doing what I do. But I would really love to read. I think it, it, to myself, you know, I actually do love reading when I kind of get into a book, but it needs to be literally no one around Mm-hmm. I, I can't have anyone in the room. It needs to be totally quiet. But even then, I, I read a sentence over, you know, like six times sometimes. And I, I just, I don't really know what it takes. But now I'm thinking in my mind, you know, this is something maybe I need to Maybe think you should look into that. You sound, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't read at all. Yeah. Like the only time I read is it's audio audiobooks. Most books I have read, if you, like, it could be an amazing book. If there's not an audible version, it's just not going to happen. No, I know. It's, I have it's, to be doing something while listening, by the way. I can't sit there, that sitting there, I guess that's the hyperactivity part. I can't sit there and just listen to an audiobook. My brain will go to 100. But if I'm doing the laundry or cleaning or walking, I can listen. Oh, my gosh. Me too. Me too. I see an aha I'm getting like light bulbs in my head because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, if my, I obviously talk about anxiety all the time and I know they're very connected. I don't, I'm not discounting that I struggle with generalized anxiety, but if this also is influencing that, like how, so have both, there's a lot of comorbid, I can't talk today. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah. So there's a lot of overlap with those symptoms. And so, and a lot of people that have anxiety also have ADHD or a lot of people that have ADHD have anxiety. So it's good to look into both because you might have both, but one of them may be getting worse because of your other one. Yeah. One, exactly. 
Yeah. Um, and that's why I think it's a long process sometimes for people mm-hmm. to really diagnose and know, um, which brings me to actually a question we got about medication mm-hmm. um, because I'm actually on the beginning of that path as mm-hmm. well. Um, I just got a referral from uh, for someone. I'm, I think as clinicians, we know we want to be very particular about yes. who we see as a psychiatrist and everybody should be. Um, but someone asked, were you nervous about taking ADHD medication and what made you, what helped you take it? 100%. That was the scariest thing for me because I am terrified of uh, side effects. Um, I have always struggled with anyone in my family taking medicine. I'm like, read the side effects. What does it say? You know, I'm, I'm scared of what my body's going to feel. And knowing that it's a stimulant that scared me even more because I'm okay. I love working out. One of the things that I love doing is exercising. And I have always worried about my heart rate because I love doing like Zumba and cardio and things like that. My heart goes to places where people are like, what the heck? Your heart shouldn't be going that high. I have talked to the doctor about it. And and my doctor was like, as long as you don't have symptoms, you're fine. But my heart rate gets up to almost 200 beats per minute when I'm doing like cardio. Um, And like, I'm not even trying that hard. It's just going really high. So I was really worried about the stimulant because I was worried that what if my heart goes up really high and then it feels like a panic attack? And then what if I start having panic attacks and um, what do I do? And so I had a really long conversation with my psychiatrist about that and my fears. And we started on the, she's like, okay, well, this is the thing with this medication. Um, We're going to start very low at the lowest dose and it's out of your system within four hours. We're not giving you extended release this, this way. If um, you don't feel well, then you have a choice to not take it again, or we can try to adjust the dose or the medication. So that gave me comfort. Um, She said, take it in, in the morning. And that way, you know, by evening when you're working out or whatever. And then she also mentioned something really interesting, which was a lot of people with ADHD find that they get a calming effect with their anxiety when they're on stimulants. Um, because they're, she's like, it's some phenomenon that we don't fully understand. But I've had clients uh, take ADHD medicine and then fall asleep at their desk. Um, so because they're what's been keeping them up is that like hyperactivity anxiety and so through the stimulant your body feels a sense of calmness which is actually what ended up happening to me I didn't fall asleep but I noticed an overall sense of I there's a there's a there's a reel and maybe even a tiktok where there's like all these voices like it sounds like an audience like talking and then if you take the the ones to take the pill I took the pill it's like everyone just shut up and I could just focus on what I wanted to focus on so I actually and my heart rate actually went down while I was exercising when I was taking the stimulant too so my heart rate stopped getting up to 199 and it it's stuck at like 180 now when I'm working out which isn't so interesting so my anxiety for that's gone but yeah I struggled a lot with that it was really helpful for the psychiatrist I had to be super patient about it to not shame me about it she completely understood she completely validated um you know she wasn't just trying to like kick me out and like be like just take it or like why you know there's a lot of people that shame in our industry unfortunately yeah shame people uh for that but she was so patient and so understanding and told me email me if you have any concerns and um i and she started me super low so slowly she's like if you don't notice this then go up to this and we'll we'll get to the 
the lowest dose that helps you function. And so we won't ever, ever overdo it. And that was really helpful to me. Okay. So that's so good to know. Also for anyone that is starting their journey with a psychiatrist or about medication, because that's going to be very important for me to have someone who's very patient. And um, what did you say too about the not long lasting yeah, medication. so it was a short, short acting, not short long. Acting. Okay, I'm going to ask about that. The short mm-hmm. acting, um, and we talk about this all the time on the pod too about how important it is to advocate for yourself when you're going through this type of situation with any type, whether it's medication or just finding a therapist or finding any type of healthcare professional. It is so important to advocate for yourself, especially these days. People are overworked. I mean, a lot of um, you know, just people in any type of field will, there's all different types of personalities and people. So it's really important to do your research and just advocate for yourself. If you feel like you're not feeling safe or you're feeling judged, um, you know, what you just talked about, just know that that's not the way it's supposed to feel. So do not see that person. That's all I will say. 100%. Right. And sometimes it's like trial and error. You Mm -hmm. have to go through a couple people to know, you know, um, like I have a list of questions for the psychiatrist when I go in and I'm yes. not even, I, I don't care. I'm going exactly. in and I'm, I'm, she's going to listen to me and, or he, whoever I'm seeing, but you know, I'm going to go in and I'm going to say, these are the questions I have. And if there's any ounce of judgment or them giving me an attitude or anything, bye, bye. Like, I'm exactly. not paying you this. No, no. they this just pay a care. lot of money and 100%. Yeah. Yes. Um, So, okay. So I have a couple other questions too that I think would be um, really helpful for some people because um, not only with your personal experience, but also with your expertise as a therapist. Um, Someone wanted to know how you manage racing thoughts. Oh, so I love this question because it's something I do deal with a lot, um, especially with ADHD and anxiety. And for a while, it would paralyze me. At at first, I would be very paralyzed by it to where I would literally just sit there and just think, 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 ruminate, ruminate, ruminate um, and have all of these thoughts. So I think one, the medication has helped me. So let's put that there. Um, but also in therapy, um, and as a therapist, I really like the acceptance and commitment therapy approach to things. Um, Mm -hmm. that is like, whenever somebody comes to my practice with anxiety, that is my first like course of action, because I'm not trying to, I really, like the more we try to fight off the thoughts that are coming into our mind, the more that they tend to persist in our mind. So if we're trying to challenge them or replace them or, you know, find alternatives, it's exhausting and it's overwhelming to, it's just like adding thoughts in our brain. So what I love about the acceptance and commitment therapy approach is to continuously like just accept that the thoughts that come in are are just going to come in. They don't mean anything. You know, they're not, um, if they're intrusive, they don't mean anything. Um, if your thoughts are racing about something that's going on in your life or something that's up- upcoming, um, okay, so the thoughts are there. So just noticing and getting really comfortable with the act of like pause, notice, you know, allow. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then thinking about, okay, so every, no matter what, like every moment in my life, I am either making moves towards the kind of life I want to live, or I'm making away moves. So um, these small shifts in 
making the moves towards the things that you want. So if you think of an airplane, for instance, and it's going in a straight line from Florida to like New York, but like, let's say the wind kind of pushes it and it's just going like slightly off a little bit, then you can end up in like London, you know, mm-hmm. if, if that small, that small tiny shift over time can end you up in another place. So yeah. it's not about doing it all at once or trying to stop your racing thoughts or anything like that. But it's more of like, okay, I'm having all of these thoughts. And these thoughts are causing me to feel in my body physically overwhelmed and tired and paralyzed. And how is this working out for me right now? Like, what is this? Is this really helpful for me to sit here and just start wondering about them, engage with them, really try to, you know, keep keep thinking, 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 or is it helpful for me to allow the thoughts? I'm not saying you're going to stop thinking or try to stop them from happening, but what do I need to do while my thoughts are racing? Um, And then I redirect my attention to that. So sometimes it's, I am really stressed. Like right now I'm going through a lot personally with my dog being diagnosed with lymphoma. My husband Mm -hmm. has chronic pain. There's a lot going on in my personal life. And a lot of times I get stuck ruminating about all of this stuff. And so what I do is like, okay, this is what's going to be today. I'm worried about Norman, my, my dog. I'm worried about Norman today. This is what's going on. All right. Um, I'm just going to let those thoughts come in. Let me go answer these emails and make a TikTok video about this thing. Um, and what I find is that just allowing that to be there. Sometimes when I get into that other task, those thoughts pause for a minute because I'm focused on this other task Mm -hmm. and then they come back. And when they come back, I kind of do the same thing. I never try to push them away, never try to stop them, never try to shame myself for having them or for being so overwhelmed. It's more of like compassionate, just saying, yeah, I mean, you're there. Um, This is valid. Like I'm worried about this thing. And what do I need to do to get myself towards the life that I want to live towards a healthier, um, you know, body, mind, relationship, work, whatever it is that you're really working on and try to implement those despite the thoughts and the anxiety. So one of my clients told me one time, and I love this little, can I curse on this podcast? Yes. Yes. Okay. Totally fine. Okay. Because yep. one of my clients told me something that I use now in a lot of my videos when I'm like, okay, this is an affirmation that actually works. Yeah. So it's not about stopping your thoughts, but when you're anxious and you don't want to do something um, or you, you feel like you can't do something, just say, fuck it. I'm going to do it anxious. So yes. it's, it's really about just allowing it to be and continuing to do the things that matter to you. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's actually one of my favorite mantras is doing it scared. Yeah. Um, just, yep, you're here, but do it scared. Just do it scared. And you know, my brain at any given time in the past, especially like eight months, I went through a lot of personal stuff too, that everyone knows about with my dad passing away and break up all this stuff. Um, and I'm just like in this constant state of fight or flight. I just feel scared all the time. Um, a lot of that, you know, you said you struggle with death anxiety. Now that's so heightened for me because my dad died and then my own personal health stuff, I have health anxiety. And so I feel like every given second, I'm just scared that like something bad is really going to happen. And it's so heightened the past, you know, eight months to a year because of everything. So being able, that has helped me so much being able to say, okay, so you're scared. It's okay. You know, the, I love acceptance and commitment therapy too, for anyone look, check that out if you haven't. Um, but being compassionate, but understanding that it's okay to be scared. Feelings are fluid, right? I, I'm not, 
I feel like I'm scared every second of the day, but you know, an hour ago when I was playing with my niece, I actually was feeling so grateful and I was, you know, and you can feel multiple feelings at the same time. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love that mantra, you know, okay, just do it scared. Do it scared. I think Mel Robbins talks about that too, which I love. Yeah. She has like a, a whole Instagram, um, series about that. Um, I love that. I will say for racing thoughts for another thing that really helps me kind of tool technique is I'm someone that really used to, I'm really trying to, um, now a support system is so important for your toolkit, right? Having people that you feel safe with, but not necessarily being dependent on them to regulate you. Right. So I used to be that person. Like I needed my mom or my dad or someone or my sister, someone, a friend to regulate me when I would get to these really heightened states. Um, and now, and you know, that's when my brain would just be, forget it. Like my thoughts were so disorganized racing. I couldn't think of anything else. Panic attacks would happen then all that stuff. Now, um, I actually have a couple different meditations that I go to that are, um, they, they call them, you know, I posted them on my stories the other day because I had a bad, bad panic attack a couple nights ago. Um, one of them is like panic attack SOS, you know, it's on insight timer too. I love it's my favorite app. Yeah. Um, but I think headspace and calm has these and, um, essentially, you know, it's okay. I mean, I, I don't listen to them over and over again, but I love that someone is really, I'm listening to someone kind of coaching me through what's going on and they're giving me the tools and they're giving me the guidance um, on, you know, m- reminding myself that I'm safe, right? And that, that part of my brain, the rational, logical part of my brain that literally is tapped out, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, it's like the size of a pea at that moment, right? But it's in there. Yeah. And those, those that, that just the voice, the guidance of the voice of those meditations, they bring me that. back to this balance. And this actually, m- now that you mentioned that with the meditation, one of the best act meditations for this, and I actually recorded one on my YouTube channel Ooh. for Racing Thoughts. It's called Leaves on a Stream. And the whole idea of the leaves on a stream, it's, it's kind of, it's a guided audio. And if you can't picture a stream and leaves and whatever, you can picture clouds or boxes, colors, mm-hmm. whatever you want. But basically it's the idea of sitting there and every thought that pops onto your mind, you put it on a leaf and you watch it go down the stream. If the, when the thought comes back, you put it on the, on the leaf again, you just watch it go by. If you find yourself thinking this is stupid, you put that thought on a stream and you watch it go by. If your thoughts stop and then you're like, I'm not having any thoughts, you put that on a stream and you watch it go by. And you just allow every thought to be and just watch its natural progression. You don't try to push it down the stream faster. If it gets kind of stuck there going slower, you allow it to just move slower. And the idea is to just be the observer of your thoughts and calmly just watch how thoughts just come in and out of our minds without, you know, us engaging in them. I think guided meditations and audios, like you mentioned, I also love Insight Timer. I I think those are so powerful for like our thoughts. Um, And uh, yeah, if if you try that audio, I think a lot of people get a lot of relief from it, specifically people that if you struggle with like OCD and intrusive thoughts, like those very scary overwhelming um, thoughts to where you feel like, oh my gosh, like what if I carry this thing out? Um, Mm -hmm. This activity is super helpful because it finally puts your brain in that place of like, wait a minute, these are thoughts and look, they're, they're going by. 
So it's such a powerful tool. Well, I'm going to check that out today. Totally yeah. leaves on a stream. I'm going to, yes, maybe you can DM me the link to your Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link. Bio. It's very, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I'm going to work on a better one where I'm a little more soothing, but it's, it's a pretty good um, exercise. And I got that script that I used for that is um, one of my favorite act uh, teachers, which is Dr. Russ Harris. He, mm. when I take his, um, he's the author of the happiness trap and talks a lot about that. And he, um, I took his courses for act training and uh, he, that was one of the scripts that he gives. And my clients love it. I love it. I use it a lot. And it's, I find one of the best in terms of like meditations. Oh my gosh. That's so wonderful. And, you know, I, I mentioned that it was so helpful in those more intense panic moments for me, but it's, it, the practice is really something you should incorporate into your daily life. Um, and I really am trying to prioritize that because I do know that I feel better after it. So like, why am I not doing it every day, even when I'm feeling balanced, even when I'm feeling not as intense anxiety? Um, you know, when I you know, sleep, obviously, is really a huge barrier for a lot of people that struggle with anxiety and ADHD, right? Like getting feeling rested, getting a good night's sleep. Um, and couple of nights I, you know, thought to myself, you know, let me just put on this insight timer specifically for sleep. Let me try this. And I fell asleep within five minutes. And I'm thinking, why am I not just doing this? You know, I, and it's, you know, and you know yourself, you know, it shouldn't be hard on yourself when you're not, won't don't be, want to be too regimented, especially if you struggle with obsessive compulsive disorder. It can, you know, become maybe a obsession or, but um, if you know that something works, and you know that you're, and that's a huge piece of this too, right? A self-awareness, yeah. knowing knowing kind of your body, being a detective with your body and knowing what clues you can gather as far as when you're getting, you know, I, I love talking about my anxiety rating scale from one to 10, right? 10 being panic attack in the hospital, mm -hmm. one being so calm, being able to know where you are throughout your days yeah. within that rating scale and what you need to do when you're getting to be like a four or five, you know, for those things, um, that's going to be a huge piece of this too. So I, I love that. I think that, you know, you're so wonderful and you're just, you provide so much great insight and I really appreciate you sharing more of your story because um, I think it's, I think, I don't know. I'm trying to find more clinicians that have been sharing their mm -hmm. story like you have and as as deeply. I know yeah. not everyone likes to share a lot of their stuff. I totally respect that and understand mm -hmm. that. But there there aren't that many that I've found yet that yeah. are really as candid as you are and taking everyone through your day with, you know, ADHD yeah. and the medication journey. Yeah. So I think it's you. a challenge for a lot of people because it's uh it's a fine line um, that, you know, we were taught to just be these like blank slates, but we're also seeing the power of being just humans. So. And let me just tell you, I don't know if this is, let me know if this is how so, uh, your platforms are for you. But when I'm sometimes feeling really anxious and in these moments, that's kind of an outlet for me. Yes. People, my healers who I love, everyone listening, help me probably even more than they think or mm -hmm. that I hopefully am helping them. I mean, 
everyone is so amazing on these platforms. I love it. I seriously, I love I'm the same way. I feel like they don't realize if, if you're somebody that's following us and supporting us part of our community. I don't think, I think they just think we're helping them, but I don't think they realize how much impact they have on our lives as well. Even just like sharing and getting like a little heart thing about it or, you know, you get yeah. messages. It's just, I, even though we can't reply to like all these messages, I, I want to, I wish I had time to, and then I could, but it's so it's, it's, it is a two way street. It's not like what people think where it's like a one way street uh, yeah. between like us and, you know, in our communities. For sure. For sure. And, um, you know, there are, there are a couple things that I do save for my subscribing healing family yeah. on Instagram. So you guys go subscribe to my page if you want. Um, cause there are a couple things personally that I will share with a more intimate population. Um, but it really is just such a healing space and a safe space. And I can't even imagine if this was around when I was younger, like a teenager yeah. or something. And I had access to know that there were other people like me when I was younger, I felt so alone. I remember when I was a kid yeah, with all same. of this. So, but thank you so much. So where can everybody follow you and tell yeah. anything about you? Um, you can follow me. I'm on all the platforms. I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Micheline.Maloof. I'm on YouTube at Micheline Maloof. Uh, Twitter, I think I'm, I don't really go on Twitter, so don't need to follow me there. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I do, I just, I just created, I'm, I'm hosting a workshop at the end of the month um, on intrusive thoughts. It's called Taming Your Intrusive Thoughts. Um, and it's going to be an act-based uh, workshop. It is live with me, but if you cannot attend the live session, then I, um, I'm going to have it for a lifetime. Like you'll have access to it to rewatch it for a lifetime. Um, it's just an hour and a half workshop and it's going to have, you know, take you through like the process of what intrusive thoughts are, why we have them, what they mean, why the tools you've been trying haven't been working. And then like tools that actually work plus a Q&A. So that's my baby that I'm working on right now. Um, and I'll, I can share the link with you if you want to add it in the show notes. Yep. Uh, because again, it's it's even though it's live, it, it'll be available forever. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. Um, Instagram and TikTok and YouTube are my main like where I am always. But stories obviously on Instagram is more intimate. That's where you hear all my personal stuff. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Yes, so. You guys have to go have to go follow her. She has so many wonderful tips and kind of just anxiety tricks. And I love that workshop. I'll put everything in the show notes. Um, and then I'd love to collaborate online again, like yes. on Instagram live. We'll do yeah. something. I want something. to do more live. So let's yeah, we'll put it in the books and we'll try it out again. For so. sure. Thank you so much for coming on today and we'll talk to, talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring twenties with new chapters added every week. The excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.